This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I just want to uh, start off by saying something that God's really gotten me to realize uh, through just especially ministry at camp is that ministry truly is everywhere. No matter where God has you is a ministry opportunity where he can and wants to use you. Uh, God has um, just continued to show this over and over again in my life, and this is something that I really would like to talk about and share with you tonight. I'd like to present one common theme, and it's a theme that runs all throughout Scripture. Some of you may have heard of the acronym CFR. It's an acronym that we use at Bob Jones. Uh, it's the Creation, Fall, Redemption. Creation, of course, talking about when God created Adam and Eve going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And the fall, of course, took place when they rebelled against God, ultimately choosing to go their own way, not God's way. But I'm so thankful that it didn't stop there because there was a redemption. And that is really, again, just the theme of what I would like to hit on tonight. Uh, Tonight, in the brief moments that we have left, I would like to get us to step back and ponder our moment of redemption. The time in our lives where we heard the gospel presented and we turned from our sins into a loving savior. I'm talking about, of course, the time where you gave your life to Jesus and accepted him as your savior. Uh, The title of my message tonight is Your Story of Redemption. This is a story that is unique to each and every one of us because each of our stories in here tonight are different, yet they're life-changing. You see, you can never have an encounter with Jesus and be the same person you were once before. Jesus changes everything. Now, I also want to present just one quick caveat to this message. I don't want us to simply step back and be thankful for our salvation, although we should be. Every day truly is a gift from God. But Jesus in Matthew 28, I think of the Great Commission. He didn't just say be thankful for your salvation, but no, he said to go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Don't you love how the gospel changes everything? It changed my life, and I pray that it changed yours as well. Tonight, God wants us to go out and to share our story of redemption with others so that they too can experience the life-changing message of the gospel. If you have your Bibles tonight, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 11 tonight. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Before we get there, I just want to talk about one quick story of redemption. This is a story uh, that I found a couple weeks ago. I want to share just a brief summary of the life of a guy named Mike Anderson. Back in 2000, 23-year-old Cornelius Anderson III, nicknamed Mike, was arrested for robbing a Burger King at gunpoint. He was sentenced to 13 years in prison. He was released on bail and told to await order on when to show up to serve his time. However, the order never came. Due to a clerical error, Anderson never went to prison. But instead of using his freedom to commit more crimes, Anderson started his own construction business, became a youth football coach, and volunteered at his local church. It was during this time that he also got married, he had three children, and he became a well-liked member of his community. Anderson realized that the gift, the gift of life and that he only had one life to live. You see, it was shortly after his Burger King incident where he and his wife attended a church where they first heard the gospel. Amen. That night, both he and his wife accepted Christ as their savior. 
13 years later, the state discovered their error and put Anderson behind bars for nearly one year. As the case received international coverage, an online petition for his release gained more than 35,000 signatures. After a court hearing that lasted a mere 10 minutes, the judge conceded that Anderson was a changed man and granted him credit for the years that he should have been in prison. A teary-eyed Anderson walked out of the courthouse with his wife and daughter, telling reporters that he was grateful to God. Amen. Here in this story, Mike Anderson experienced a redemption, an opportunity to not only just be free from prison, but free to serve others and now watch his family grow up. The story of Mike Anderson pieces together a beautiful picture of true change in one's life. A story of one who was walking the course of this world to one who gave their life to the Lord. Anderson said, in quote, I'm so grateful that Jesus changed my life. No one is beyond God's saving grace, and I love this last part. No one is too far lost that cannot be found. Amen. I believe many of us in the room tonight and watching by way of live stream can relate to the story of Michael Anderson, just an ordinary guy walking through the course of this world. But when he had an encounter with Jesus, his whole life changed. He experienced the kind of redemption that is only offered through Jesus, because again, Jesus changes everything. Tonight, I invite you now to join me in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. It's my prayer that as I read, I want you to think about your own story of redemption the time where you came face to face, that God is king and you're not, where you realize that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life worth living for. If there's never been a time in your life where you've repented of your sin and turned to Christ, and it's my prayer that tonight is your night of salvation. By believing in Christ alone for your, your salvation, you too can have a story of redemption. Uh, please follow now as I read 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Here in this letter to the Church of Corinth, Paul is writing to the Corinthians to address several problems going on within the church. You had problems such as division, disunity, there was pride, sexual immorality, spiritual gifts, uh, the issue of idolatry, there was also a lack of church leadership, and that's just to name a few. I find it interesting, though, as you come right in the heart of 1 Corinthians here in chapter 6, talk, talking about those who are unrighteous and those who are righteous. First, to the unrighteous, Paul asks a question in verse 9. He says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? To put this into context, you really have to back up to verse 8. Paul's talking about those who do wrong and cheat against their own brethren. Then Paul transitions this thought to verse 9, where you can almost hear him ask, Do you not realize how serious your sin truly is? The only thing that you may gain cheat from cheating your brother is an eternity with the unrighteous. That's a pretty strong statement. Of course, Paul is talking to unbelievers here. Paul then, in the rest of verse 9 and in verse 10, begins listing these sins. And for sake of time, I'm not going to go into detail of each sin because it's not necessarily the focal point. However, I do want us tonight to ponder the sins in our own lives where we recognize that we were a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. 
You may have not had all the sins mentioned here in the text tonight, but we are all naturally born sinners. Romans 1.25 talks about how we, are, we worship the creature rather than the creator. You know, I appreciated Pastor Asher's message this past Sunday morning talking about the life of Arthur Stace. What a testimony of a man who went from being sent to jail at just 15 years old to his own story of redemption, of how God saved him and used him to remind thousands of people all over Australia about eternity. The first letter uh, that Pastor mentioned of Stace's abbreviated name was a sinful past. God used Stace in a mighty way, yet Stace still came from a sinful background. Let me ask you tonight, what sinful past did God rescue you from? How far did you have to go? How much pleasure and how much satisfaction did you seek to find from your sin to get you to realize that only Jesus satisfies? You see, sin brings death, but Jesus gives life. Amen. Aren't you thankful that God has provided the redemption to, be, to save us from our sinful past? So we see in our text tonight that we were all once sinners, yet I want us to see this transition between verses 10 and 11. Paul lists all of these sins, and in verse 11 he says, and such were some of you. I really want us to see the hope here. The were in verse 11 speaks of a past tense. These were those who were unrighteous and fell short of God's glory because of these sins, but now because they have accepted Christ as their Savior, they have been made righteous. Paul transitions his thought from the unrighteous who are still living in sin to those who are righteous. Paul's reminding the Corinthians here that their past sins no longer define them because Christ bore our sins and in return gave us the gift of eternal life. Now, as the text, verse 11 mentions, you were washed, sanctified, and justified because they have turned from their sin to their Savior. I want to take a few moments and go through the three key aspects of being in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. First, in verse 11, the Bible says that we are washed, clean from sin because of the mercy of God. Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. We're also washed by the work of Jesus on the cross. Revelation 1, 5 says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. We're also, of course, washed by the word of God, Ephesians 5.26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. I love the picture that the word wash really paints for us here. You know, it's something that I was thinking of is a common day thing that I know a lot of us do is wash clothes. You know, of course, when you're washing clothes, you're washing clothes free, clean from its stains, clean from its filth. And in the same way, that's what Christ's blood did for us. It washed us clean from our stains, clean from our sinful past, because Isaiah 1.18 says our sins are now as white as snow. So not only are we washed, but this text mentions that we are then sanctified. Hebrews 10.10 states, by the which we are, all, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We've also been sanctified through the word. John 17, 17 and verse 19, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they might also be sanctified through the truth. 
not only are we washed clean from our sin and alive to Christ, but we are, but because we are now sanctified, we also now have a purpose as a believer, set apart from the world, and we're given a God-given purpose. Some may say a mission as believers. So not only are we washed, we're sanctified, but we are also justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of what Christ did for us on the cross, we can now stand before him completely just, no longer guilty of our sin. We are justified only by God's grace through the work of Jesus on the cross. Romans 3.24 states, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We have been declared righteous before God. I love the meaning behind these three words because God can take a verses 9 and 10 sinner and make them to the kind of person set free from that sin and now can be used by God in verse 11. I don't want us to miss the key here, though, and that's Jesus. It is only through Jesus that we are set free from these sins in the first place. Through these three simple yet powerful verses in 1 Corinthians 6, we see how you can have true redemption. I've talked about redemption, but I've really yet to define what is redemption. Redemption, many times in the Bible, refers to the idea of being bought out or buying out. Uh, the term was specifically used many times, especially I think of in the Old Testament, used in reference to the purchase of a slave's freedom. We were all once slaves to sin, yet now we are set free from the bondage of sin and now alive to Christ. Romans 6, 11, and 12 states this very clearly. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. You also have a chapter earlier in chapter 5 of Romans, verses 20 and 21. says, Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Amen. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm so thankful that because of what Christ did for us on the cross, that grace didn't just abound, it did much more abound. There are many men and women, as I was kind of pondering over this message, that really experienced redemption throughout Scripture. But I think one of the most dramatic stories that I can think of is the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul, who was once named Saul, of course, was on the famous road to Damascus with a letter from the high priest of the temple in Jerusalem giving him the authority to arrest any who belonged to the way or those who followed Christ. Saul was so intent on killing Christians that the Bible says in raging fury he breathed threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Here was a man who truly hated Christ and all who were associated with him. If, Paul, if Saul's story stopped here, he would have been pretty hopeless. However, Saul had an encounter with God. One of which, if you read three account, the three accounts given in Acts, they picture Saul falling to his hands and knees after hearing the voice of God ask him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Saul humbly responds, what wilt thou have me to do? You can almost sense the terror in, in Saul's heart here when he realized who he was talking to. The very Christians that he was persecuting belonged to the one who is now speaking to him. This fascinates me because when Saul had an encounter with the voice of the living God, God changed him. And God changed him from the inside out 
because it was on this road to Damascus where he was converted. And now God wanted to use him to no longer persecute Christians, but to tell other Christians about God, the one who saves. That is true redemption. So Paul shared his story of redemption. What about you? What is your story of redemption? When is the last time you told someone about the life-changing power of the gospel? I began uh, this short message tonight by talking about the story of Mike Anderson. Anderson, again, like many of us, completely had his life transformed by the power of the gospel. Uh, tonight, I would also like to end by sharing uh, one more story from a book that I recently read by Paul David Chapel. It's from, uh, called Take It Personally. Uh, in the book, he starts off by just giving an illustration that I thought was really good. He says, quote, one day a man was walking near the ocean shoreline, littered with starfish that had been beached on the sand from a recent storm. There was a man who walked by and he came upon a, the young boy frantically picking up the dying starfish and throwing them back into the ocean. Son, the man smiled as he placed his hand on the boy's shoulder. You know what you're doing is futile, right? The boy didn't reply. He hardly even looked up. He just reached for another starfish and hurled it into the ocean. The man tried again. Look, he pointed along the shoreline. There are miles of washed up starfish, tens of thousands of them. The boy grunted as he reached for another. The man said, you could be here all day and all day the next day and the day after that. You could be here all week and you wouldn't make a difference in all these starfish. For the first time, the boy turned to look at the man. He stood as tall as he could with his shoulders back, chin tilted and starfish in hand. Then he turned and threw the starfish into the ocean. This time he looks at the man and says, made a difference for that one. And then he bent down to pick up another. It was through this um, short story, uh, Chapel then goes on and talks about the Great Commission. And he ends this uh, short chapter by saying, when you think of it, it's a privilege. Not every Christian is called to be a pastor. Not every Christian is called to be a foreign missionary or to go into a public teaching ministry but every Christian is called to go to others with the gospel, to personally deliver the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we take it personally to one person at a time, God uses our witness to make a difference, an eternal difference, one life at a time. So yes, we can look up and down the shoreline, we can see hundreds of thousands of starfish, we can look around the world and see billions of people, we can look at our own communities and see vast numbers of people, and we can wonder if we'll ever make a difference. Or we can hear Christ's call, rely on the Holy Spirit, and personally share the gospel, and we can make a difference for that one. Amen. My question really for you tonight is, who is that one person in your life who God wants to use you to share your story of redemption and to be a witness to them? If you're an unbeliever here tonight or tuning in by live stream, I want you to consider one last quick illustration. Imagine you're going to the cashier and you're checking out in a grocery store. The cashier scans all your groceries, puts it back in your cart, and without you even paying, they hand you the receipt. You look at them back, you look back at them pretty confused, and the cashier says, look at the receipt. And on the receipt, it has zero dollars. At that point, you're really wondering, okay, like what's going on? And under that, there's a short text. There's six words, and those words read, the price has already been paid. Because that is what Jesus did Amen. for you and me. Amen. 
Psalm 107.9 states that he, referring to Jesus, satisfies the longing soul. Is your soul longing for something tonight? Come to Jesus, because I promise you won't regret it. And finally, to the believer, I close with this. Psalm 107, 1 and 2 says, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. The first part of verse 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Literally means, let the redeemed tell their story. I encourage us tonight to let's not sit on the sidelines but be active in running the race that God has called each and every one of us as believers to run, to share the gospel with a dark world who needs to experience the light of Christ. As we look to a new year, may God help us and enable us to give us boldness in sharing our story of redemption with others. It's my prayer that tonight we would walk out of here with a desire to be used by God to make a difference in the lives of others, one life at a time. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you uh, just for your word. God, we thank you that you have saved us from our sinful past, that, God, our sins are as white as snow. Thank you, God, that you have a mission for us as believers, that you have set us apart and that you have washed us, you have sanctified us, and that we can stand justified, completely just before. God, we recognize how unworthy we are and how unworthy we are to even be used by you to go to others and share the gospel with them. But God, I pray that as we walk out of here tonight that you would use us and that it would be our heart, our burden to go to others and share the gospel. God, we all, hear, we all desire to go to heaven one day and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But I wonder tonight that if you were to evaluate our lives tonight, what would you say? Would you be able to say that we, go, we have a heart to go to others and share the gospel with them? It's my prayer that we would have that heart to go and share the gospel and to share our story of redemption with others. May you continue to use us where you have us. Help us to continue to follow you in faith and obedience. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.